I hope the laundry's caught up and well, it's getting there. I have Vivian at my feet and she's she's gonna work on folding the towels, hopefully, <laughs> while we're chatting here. But S sniffing something, you know. Yes. I should tell people who don't know that Vivian's my dog. <laughs> I was about to say the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> a little context there. Exactly. That. Vivian <laughs> at the bottom that. of the screen. Vivian is a dog. <laughs> Brian, thank you again, like I said, for being on here. Um, as I said earlier, you know, quick backdrop. You're, I called you kind of the jack of all trades, the WRIL um, news station. Um, you're always entertaining to see. You can be found on traffic reports, weather reports, in the field, at a parade, when parades come back again. Right. Um, <laughs> you're everywhere. And, but I wanted to kind of go just a little backstory about uh, where you're from, um, kind of a little bit about your upbringing, and, um, mm -hmm. and we'll go from there. I grew up in Fuquay, and I'm very fortunate in this business. Uh, when you're in broadcasting, whatever it was, radio or television, you know, most people have to move out of town to get that first job in Missoula, Montana, or, you know, somewhere like that, and you work your way back to wherever you want to be. I've been very fortunate. My whole life has been here. I've never had to move away. And, uh, you know, I grew up watching WRAL and my mom tells me that from like the age of three watching the news, I was just like obsessed with watching it. So I was a weird kid. And <laughs> 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 and it's funny because I, I was three in 1982 and I've been able to watch WRL newscasts like from that era and I tried to watch it and say I wonder what it was that made toddler Brian so interested in it and, and I don't know I, I still think they're pretty good newscasts from 1982 so <laughs> 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 but I grew up watching WRL and just always wanted to work there and um, then when I was in high school I, I was going into the 11th grade so I was like I skipped kindergarten, so I was 15 going into the 11th grade. And that summer, I um, went to the little radio station in Fuquay. It was WEEB radio, little 5,000-watt AM radio station. And I, just, I went in there and asked if I could get a job just doing whatever, you know, 15 years old. And they said, sure. So that summer, I started the first day of summer break that June, and they hired me at minimum wage and just doing whatever around the radio station. There were only like five people that worked there, but, you know, they were having me helping write news and uh, learning the production stuff behind the scenes. And I um, just, it was like a dream come true working at a radio station. And uh, it was magical. And then um, when, I, when I got into my junior year, I think, in high school, I started the high school newscast. I was that kid. And uh, then I went to, um, who's the dog? Oh, I see the dog behind you. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. that's uh, that, that, <laughs> got your eyes. That's my yeah. Vivian uh, doing laundry. Hey. Um, that's Delhi. <laughs> so it's like Delhi meat, but it's a soccer player. His name is Delhi. So that's, uh -huh. 
That's a little deli. Hello. <laughs> not, she's so not interested in anything. <laughs> yeah, I understand. But she clearly likes you okay. She does. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but, and then I, I went to Campbell University um, to study mass communications. And in my fall, freshman fall semester, I got a job at WRAL. Working behind the scenes, part-time, what was then called a news clerk. Today, we call it kind of a production assistant. Just learning how the assignment desk works. That's where you take all the phone calls from viewers and listen to the police radios and dispatch the crews and all that stuff. And running the scripts around for the newscast is entry-level stuff. And I, that, was, that was in 1996. And I worked at WRAL for five years. Um, and went to Campbell for a couple of years. And then I dropped out. <laughs> Your results may what? vary. Yeah, I was, I was already working uh, pretty much full time at WRAL in my, at the end of my sophomore year. And I was like, boy, I'm already working in the business that I'm spending uh, all this money to learn about doing. Maybe I should just do it. And <laughs> So I, I dropped out of college and was working at WRAL. And then I went to work at WPTF Radio as a reporter. This is my first on-air job doing overnight newscasts on WPTF. And uh, then I went to work at News 14 as a producer for a year. And then I went to work at what uh, I call Brand X, which is WTVD. Uh, worked for them for a couple of years as a web producer. And then in 2004, I, with some friends, put together a little like Christmas joke video, like a parody of a, a local newscast. And it made its way back around to some friends at WRAL. And they said, hmm, I, well, let's, let's see if he wants to do something uh, for WRAL.com, like on, on air, or what was it in on, on really bad streaming video. <laughs> and they hired me back in 2006 and I've been there ever since. That's awesome. How was the reception from family when you said you're dropping out? I mean, obviously they knew at Campbell that you were working at REL, but yeah. was there any kind of mixed emotions? Uh, I, I think that there's always that sense of, uh, are you sure you really want to do this? But I think that my, I think my logic was flawless. So, <laughs> <laughs> and as the it tuition worked. bills, you know, mounted, that helped a lot too. <laughs> sure. Oh, sure. Yeah. Like please, please, please drop out. <laughs> yeah, please drop out. You can get back around to it later, I guess. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, you know, I feel like you've done a little bit of everything, um, you know, with that, uh, as far as broadening your talents from different sides, but was there any, and this is probably kind of a horrible segue, but going to watching game shows growing up, did any of those yeah. people kind of, uh, oh Gene gosh. Rayburn or anyone from Match yes. Game, anyone like, were they the ones that kind of helped influence you? I want to be that one day. Totally. Totally. I, um, when, when, when I watched The Price is Right rerun, I, I, I recently posted on Instagram that, uh, that Pluto TV streaming app, uh, they have an all- Bob Barker Price is Right channel, where it's just 24-7 of oh. Bob Barker era Price is Right episodes. And of course, they're all from when I was a kid when Bob Barker had dark hair. Oh, wow. And I watch him and I realize that he is just an incredible broadcaster beyond the, you know, the mechanics of running the game show and everything, mm -hmm. just as a, a broadcaster with the patter and the conversations. 
I mean, I, I, I know that I drew some influence from him and I don't know how much of it stuck, but in my own mind, at least, <laughs> I'm, I tried to emulate, or I'm sure parts of Bob Barker tried to work themselves into the way I do broadcasting today. And you know, you're right, Gene Rayburn and all those guys, Richard Dawson, just, you know, they were entertaining. Uh, they kept the show going. And then locally, you know, all the WRAL people, Charlie Gaddy when I was a kid. I mean, I loved Charlie Gaddy when I was growing up. And the first time, I, I'd never met him before. Charlie Gaddy, by the way, if anybody doesn't know, he was the anchor on WRAL, the main evening anchor for like 25 years and retired in the mid 90s. The first time Charlie came into the TV station, when I was working at WRAL, I was like, oh my gosh, it's Charlie Gaddy. <laughs> <laughs> it was just so cool. It's like, there he is. Tom Suter, who did sports forever. Same thing, you know, when I was working there uh, behind the scenes and getting to know Tom, and it's like, it's Tom Suter. <laughs> And then doing the weather when I was a kid, Bob DeBartolaven. This is, you know, Bob was not a meteorologist. He was a radio guy who got into television. Just, you know, he had meteorologists who told him what was up. And he was, he was in charge of presenting it in an engaging, interesting way. And, you know, that you, whatever it is that you're interested in, you find these role models when you're a kid and you absorb, I think. Mm -hmm. That's uh takes me back when I started doing stuff for Football Friday a couple of eight years ago. Um, I told my dad I was doing stuff with Tom, and my dad said I remember back in 1981 at Fuquay at the playoff game. I looked over and saw him on the sideline. I just I, I was shocked. I didn't know if I should say anything to him or not. And it's just there's <laughs> there's a magic about growing up in a small town and seeing these people in real life. You know, you're like wow, yeah. like, and and you're just you know, and now you're one of the people. <laughs> well, yeah, I. I... <laughs> I hope I don't disappoint when you see me in person. <laughs> that Brian, man, he just was uh, uh, yeah, just didn't really on. deliver. <laughs> yeah, right. He wasn't on. Not the one I see on TV. <laughs> well, that's another thing, too. Like, you know, you have um, like a really just happy, bubbly personality. Do you feel like sometimes if you see someone, I'm sure like your close friends and family, you can just be Brian, can be Brian. But do you sometimes feel like you have to put on not really a show, but kind of like I, I, I have to be brian trader of rel i can't just be i mean i don't pick my nose in public <laughs> that's probably the main difference <laughs> <laughs> that's good that's good that's i mean good. i think i whatever success that i've had in this business it's because it, it is what you see is what you get I, i'm not having i think it would be so much work having to put on a show mm -hmm. and then yeah. be somebody totally different so yeah that's true. That's true. Going back to Tom, I feel like uh, yeah. there's so many great stories. Do you have any stories in the, like, personally with Tom at work, whether it's, it's a funny one or anything? That's kind of all, all kind of last second question there, but <laughs> he's just, he's very quirky and I love him. I just feel like, I feel like everyone has a good Tom story. I didn't know. Every, <laughs> oh my gosh. Everybody does have a, a great Tom story. I, I just the one that comes to mind, cause it's fairly recent is for the past couple of years. I, I, um, you know, Tom, every restaurant that Tom likes has gone out of business. So 
we would go to uh, trips. The little yeah, uh, I've been there, there the trips with him before too. <laughs> at Ridgewood, that one's gone. Uh, and then Tom, sort of like a nomad, moved down to the Applebee's at uh, <laughs> Hillsborough at Gorman. Just fine and dining. One, <laughs> fine dining, and <laughs> that one got out from under him. And then I think for a while he was going to the, uh, and this still is open, El Cerro at uh, Mission Valley behind the TV station. That was a favorite. I think that's still Tom's up to the pandemic was his favorite spot. And I said one time, Tom, why don't we go over to Taza Kitchen over at uh, Cameron Village? And he said, Brian, I would, I'd love to try it. I'll meet you over there. It'll be great. This is the first time Tom has been to Tasa Kitchen. Uh, and Tom, I sit down with Tom and the waitress there, the server, you know, this is the first time she's ever met Tom. So she doesn't know the routine. And the routine with Tom is that he's going to ask for you, you to go back to the kitchen and have a very particular kind of salad made. Uh, with certain ingredients. This, and there's nothing, you know, he's not being demanding or anything. I don't want to leave that impression. He just wants a certain kind of salad. And he always then brings out the bag of the dressing that he got from Whole Foods or the Fresh Market. And uh, the, the server was just, you know, she was rolling with the punches here. And <laughs> she, as they all are when they work with Tom, she was handsomely rewarded for getting the exact salad that he wanted. Uh, but then Tom told me, Brian, I just, I think it was a little too fancy. I think it was a little too fancy. <laughs> I <laughs> wish we could do video because just the hand movements of Tom, I can just picture this. Just... <laughs> I love that man. We got to find another Applebee's, I guess. I mean, oh once, once he's once he's okay to come out and we can, uh, you know, after the pandemic, we'll have to find another Applebee's. <laughs> it's just so funny that a man who deserves to have nice dining still prefers massive chain restaurants. <laughs> he is who he is. Yeah, he is it. comfortable I in his own it. skin. Exactly. <laughs> well, the thing is, is yeah. he, he brings most of his own stuff. So. <laughs> like, just go to McDonald's. Like, why does it matter? <laughs> he just needs a table. And if you have some fresh vegetables. <laughs> that's all he wants. And it'll pay for you. And leave. Yeah, that, that's the exactly. funniest thing about it. That's, <laughs> and I'll tell you this, I, this, is a, this, is a, this is a story that really speaks to who Tom truly is, that this is probably 15 or more years ago at this point. Um, back when the Rockola Cafe was back there at Mission Valley, which was Tom's place. Um, and, you know, Tom leaves very generous tips for servers. And so when he walks in, it is like a scramble to see who's going to get to <laughs> wait on Tom. But there was a young lady there that uh, she was telling him that her dog had to go to the vet. And I forget what the sum was, but it was a, a very large amount of money for anybody. And Tom just quietly left that tip there at the table. And that's who he is. <laughs> That's exactly who he is. See, Vivian approves. She just sparked it. Like, <laughs> that is, yeah. is crazy. That's and Tom. I, and it's great because he, and also the way he does it under the table, he's not there to make a scene. He's not there to say, look oh, at no, me no. doing this. He's just get in, yep. get your salad and 
pay the tip and go. That's great. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love uh, Last thing I'll say about him is funny. My uh, grandma is from uh, Battleboro originally, like mm-hmm. outside of Rocky Mount. And so she'd always, uh, whenever she'd be watching the news back home, her, because um, Tom's uh, dad was a doctor, I believe. Mm-hmm. So uh, my grandma, Mimi, she'd always, even to this day, she'll still say, yeah, I used to watch Ariel. My mom would say, there's Dr. Suter, son. And she'd always <laughs> say that every time. I was like, it's just the most great, like, it's Eastern North Carolina, yeah. feel good. Like, I love it. <laughs> but you know that Tom is, uh, Tom, uh, he, he didn't have to move out of town to, you know, move out of the state to do his broadcasting career. He also was as fortunate as I was to be able to stay, stay around home. So there you go, and, and now you'll host Football Friday for the next 40 years. <laughs> Let's go to the videotape. It's funny when I uh, – I always say when I'm filling in on the anchor desk and there's a sports-related story, I say it's like a dog walking on its hind legs. I can do it for a little while, but it doesn't look natural. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like takes you back to the uh, broadcast. I did broadcasting at Fuqua as well, and it's mm-hmm. like – I look back in those days, I'm like, I you mean like, the program that I started, Ben? Oh, did you start it? <laughs> yes. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's not like the year after I graduated, they they they, they dissolved it because they needed a. Uh, I, I left. You started. I finished it. Yeah, I was about to say it is a full circle down between <laughs> the two of us. Either I don't know if it's a bad thing that I finished it. They're like, look, we can't do this anymore with. <laughs> 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 But it was fun. It's got me to what I do today with with uh, with video creating and things mm-hmm. like that. So it worked out for the best of us, you know. We we helped it, and we, yeah. Maybe we'll have a room dedicated in the new Fuquay Castle they're building, and it'll start. Right. <laughs> we'll be there to they'll dedicate the studios to us. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. That'd be great. Um, gosh, yeah, that's that's great. Uh, I'm trying to think. So you know, you had going back to the Ariel stage. You know, you did a lot with. Um, on air, you know, talent, did some stuff at the parades. What made you want to think one day, I'm going to go start doing weather reports and doing more further education of that? Like, what happened? How did that start? Ever since I was a kid, I was interested in weather. Always been fascinated by it. And I was not a very good math student at all. And meteorology requires math. And so it just kind of scared me away from it. Like, oh, I can't do this. I was the kid in high school, really throughout my entire school career with math, and I was erasing the holes in the paper. You know, it was just, it was a mess. But later in life, I, I think your brain changes. And when I was in my mid-30s, I was thinking about, hmm, I should, I'm really interested in going back to school and getting a meteorology degree, sitting back there, you know, the traffic and the weather go hand in hand. I sit back there in the weather center with Elizabeth uh, every morning. And, you know, I just sort of learned what she was saying and putting it together. Mike Moss, who is retired now, but he was meteorologist there every morning that I was there and just learning from them. I was like, I'm going to try this. And so when I was 37, I took that little half degree that I got from Campbell (laughs) and I took it to Mississippi State University. They do a distance learning program for meteorology, operational meteorology. And this is what Elizabeth Gardner did. Um, A lot of people, especially in TV weather, do this, uh, do this program. 
And uh, I started uh, in 2017 and have been working on it, finished it this past summer. And so now I'm a meteorologist. It's like, well, this is pretty cool. And (laughs) it turns out that if you just take your grown-up adult brain and then go try to do algebra, gosh darn it, there's a good chance you can do it. <laughs> See, and you know what? I admire that because uh, when, and I'm sure you realize it too, when you're at Campbell and I was an undergrad, um, I did the first years at Wake Tech before transferring to Charlotte. Yeah. And when I see people in those, in the entry-level classes who are sometimes even in their 40s and they're like, hey, at the time I couldn't do college, I'm coming back. I'm like, I salute you because when I'm 40, I can't think about school. But I, I, think there's a, I think there's a sense of like a, a stronger will. You're, you're that age and you're like, I'm here oh. for a purpose. Like no one's kind of forced me doing this on my own. So you will learn algebra as much as you may, may hate it at the time. Exactly. No, you're absolutely right. Your motivation is totally different when you're in your 30s than when you're 18. Yeah. I, don't you think, I mean, and I don't think there's an, I don't know, I'm, I guess there is some uh, way to get around this in society. Uh, but I always have thought it's strange that we ask people, who are like 15 or 16, hey, you need to make a lot of very important decisions right now that will affect the rest of your life. Yes. And commit to this uh-huh. for the next four or five years of your life. And mm-hmm. it's just not the way that reality works. No. And I feel especially now too, there's so many more options that, you know, like I salute, you know, the generation you know, the people who are now like retiring that age where they had a job, they kept it for 30 years, 40 years, yeah. and they retired. I, I salute that. But our generation now, it's hard to find that because there's so many opportunities that people are making money off of YouTube now. I mean, for the years exactly. now, of course, but like there's so many opportunities that uh, one of my favorite filmmakers I follow, uh, Matty Hapoya, he actually just hit a million subscribers. And it's cool to see him because he's a true filmmaker who loves helping people. And he said that he told people, yeah, you know, it's good to write out plans, but if you would ask me 10 years ago, I wouldn't say I was a YouTuber because it wasn't a thing. So it's just like exactly. a matter of keeping all of your options open and like not feeling you have to commit to one thing. Um, that may be bad for me to, for the younger generation to hear that. We're like telling them not to go to college and not, <laughs> <laughs> no. no, but I mean, we're not saying that we're saying, keep your options open. Don't yeah, lock exactly. yourself into any one thing. Yeah, because then you, you don't be miserable for 40 years. I mean, be smart, but um, look yeah. at all options. And I feel like it's really Maybe, important. Yeah, and you, I mean, you're right. The, the, the innovation that is happening today in our economy and in technology, the, people are going to be gazillionaires for stuff that you and I have not even fathomed yet mm-hmm. in, in the next five to 10 years. So you, at 16, oh, well, I guess I'm kind of interested in whatever. And then you commit a whole lot of time and money mm. to learning the whatever. And then when you're done with it, oh, that, that thing doesn't really make any money anymore. <laughs> you just <laughs> spend a lot of time and money for nothing. Exactly. <laughs> Looking for the next Facebook or something. Yeah. Um, I mean, everyone thought Xenga was it. And after Xenga, it was MySpace. And a lot of people also don't remember Xenga. That's what, like, a lot of my friends are younger than me. So whenever I mention Zanga, like, what is that? I'm like, I totally I forgotten that. Yeah. <laughs> <And> people, exactly. <laughs> and this was not that long ago. No, no. Like 10, 12, 15 years max ago. I mean, yeah, yeah it was in the it MySpace and everyone ago. had to learn how to code on MySpace. So like, make their <laughs> background <laughs> their HTML. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. Background song. There's always a, a bitter arrival of like your top friends and everything. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> the drama <laughs> oh my um 
so if you had a not rank it, but of your different talents at Ariel, what's what's probably your your most favorite? I won't say your least favorite because I don't want them to take you off that job. But as far as uh, <laughs> I, I want them to take me out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, but as far as I mean, because I, I I would imagine when I've seen you out in the years past, kind of help out with like on on like site reporting for the parades and stuff. Is that is that something mm. fun? Interact with the people? Yeah, yeah. I I like um, you know, my main position there is traffic and one of the reasons I like it is that it is ad lib. I mean, it's just, I have stuff that I need to tell you. I, I have, I have information to give you, but I have, I have to have personality doing it or I can have personality when I do it. And I filled in uh, just this past, not this past weekend. Oh, this is past weekend. It was the first I filled in for weather for the first time on air. And it was the same kind of thing where you can show a little personality. So I like those opportunities, uh, doing the parades when we do our telethons, uh, those kinds of things that are unscripted. You can be yourself, have a little fun. That's the most fun. Uh, the other stuff, you know, I do the uh, live center, which is where we do breaking news during uh, a newscast. I do that all the time as well, one of my duties. And that's, you know, that's a completely different set of skills where you're, it's about credibility and being authoritative and getting all your facts right. That is the, that is the capital J journalist part of the job, which I also, you know, it's another facet of it that I like. Mm -hmm. And uh, another thing that I really enjoy, I do uh, radio news in the morning and I, at heart, I'm a radio person. If, if there was, <laughs> if there was a way to do radio uh, and, you know, pay the bills. Yeah. <laughs> Having worked in radio before, there are a, a handful who can pay the bills and work in radio, and those are very fortunate people. But I, I like doing radio news and you know, doing the weather forecast for radio. So, yeah. I like everything I do. I, yeah. <laughs> Everyone listening. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, man. Um, has there been going back even to your days of being um, a PA um, any memorable close calls you've had that it's just been I mean the short time I was at football Friday I saw I had a lot of close calls not by me but witnessing them it's live television there's a lot of things any that stand out that you're just like oh my gosh like, I still have nightmares thinking about this like one thing <laughs> led to another and we're live in five seconds and <laughs> uh mercifully there are none that stand out in my head but Good. maybe it's just that i have very poor memory uh that could be a factor i grant you that uh but it, i think that i think that it manifests itself in the recurring nightmare that i have had for all these years i've been in broadcasting and it is a time related nightmare where I am, uh, I, I have like 10 seconds, like this perpetual 10 seconds before something needs to be done and there's no way I'm gonna be able to get it done in time, which that's, you get a little taste of that throughout the entire day <laughs> when you're doing live news for five and a half hours like we're doing. And I think it all just kind of bottles up inside my brain and then lets off in a nightmare <laughs> every few months where, I'm out of time. I'm totally unprepared. Where are my pants? I have to be on television. <laughs> I was supposed to do that to five minutes ago. That's that's a broadcaster, I think, uh, recurring nightmare. Yeah, yeah. 
do you do you wear shoes when you're when you're doing the weather? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's too I'm, bad because in our new studio, we got well, I say new is a year old now. Um, you know, it used to be we'd have the chroma key wall, that's the old the green screen mm -hmm. that everybody knows. And they only showed you from like the uh, knees up. So I could wear sneakers. Uh, there were some days I didn't wear shoes. Uh, my feet hurt. I just <laughs> walk out there and it was fun. But now they show the entire body. Oh, so no. I have to pay I forgot, attention I to my about shoes. that. I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what? I think you could, you could honestly get some clicks on the, on the, on on the, on the interwebs as they call mm -hmm. it. Now, these days. Uh, you know, with shoes being a big deal now, you could rock some Jordans or some, you know, sort of night. And then they'll be like, dude, like, the weather guy in Raleigh, someone like Sam in California is like, what the <laughs> I'm just thinking. But Jeff Hogan, who is the uh, morning anchor, uh, he, like, the shoes, he wears sneakers that look sort of, sort of, kind of like for dress shoes. Mm -hmm. You know that I'm talking about. They kind of yeah. walk a very fine line between mm -hmm. sneakers and dress shoes. And he says he was going to wear them until he got, you know, his wings clipped. He hasn't had his wings clipped yet by management. Okay. So I'm okay. going to let him get in trouble first before I get. <laughs> Humble him up a little bit, you know. Before exactly. You do that. Right. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, there are a lot of Jordans that have a lot of patent leather. So it's like a black, shiny patent leather. So it looks nice. Um, it, Jason Sudeikis. Like mm -hmm. Yeah, they could. So like, Jason Sudeikis. Um, the actor he's a big sneakerhead he's always like he was a sneakerhead before it was like cool like growing up he mm -hmm. would just love sneakers and he wore um to the met gala he wore a, like a black tuxedo and um they're like a pair of black jordans that are patent leather so it's like you yeah. look classy and good for you for doing that so yeah well i guess we'll have to see how fashion forward wrl tv is when uh <laughs> when i crack off open the jordans and exactly match them with my suits <laughs> I remember Tom always wore these little slip-on slippers before, before yes. the thing. He'd always have that. And he would always, probably nine out of ten times, would always at some point lose his makeup. And he'd leave it in the dressing room or he'd leave it in the back or he just <laughs> always scrambling around. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, here's another Tom story that makes me jog this memory. When this was, this would be like 1997 or 98 where Tom um, really got into carrot juice. Like, he was just downing carrot juice. And he turned a little orange there for a while because, because of all the carrot juice he was drinking. <laughs> made me think of that. <laughs> See, I think it made me think of with him losing his makeup. For, for that summer, he, just, he was just orange. He was naturally... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Oh my gosh, he's <laughs> yeah, and then of course it always put the makeup right, right as the countdown's going. Oh yeah, it's on, good. Um, <laughs> speaking of the food stuff, I feel like we could have a whole podcast on just Tom, like, and just talk oh, about yes. that. That would be he. He, he you, would hate it. You, I was about to say, have you asked Tom to be on this podcast? I I told him that I'm gonna have I'm gonna have you on today, and um, yeah. he said he was super excited and proud of us, and like like the grandfather he is to everyone. He's, yes. he's, <laughs> But uh, I might ask him. He might. He might say like, I don't. I don't want to get on the computer. I don't. What, just am, I so, what am I supposed to say? I don't have yeah. anything to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. Just kind of <laughs> like that. Oh my gosh. We used to always go. Uh, speaking of food too, we used to always go to um, Deepita right there at Mission at uh, yeah. um, 
like at 2 a.m. in the morning because Tom, but Tom's a, Tom's a, he's a night owl. He's a part, yeah, he's a night owl. Like he'll stay out yeah. until we all leave. So we oh, always yeah. get DP dough. And of course he doesn't eat anything, but he'll, he'll always ask for like a, a piece of my crust always. <laughs> they go, oh, leave a little piece of that crust or win. <laughs> <laughs> like a bird. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh. What a great guy. Great guy. The best. <laughs> so with all these changes, and I feel like you're in a very like unique and awesome situation to where you've seen how local television across North Carolina and anywhere in the world is changing from TV sets being the mainstay to your phone, mm-hmm. just to your watches mm-hmm. and everything. Um, has that kind of helped le- kind of helped push you to stay kind of do more than just one type of thing? Or is that just something you've always wanted to do meteorology and on air time? And um, so I guess also the first kind of two part question. First question is, yeah. did the change of news help you do other things? And also where do you see the world of news heading forward? Well, I, um, and I think this is, this applies to any, whatever your job is, but being as diversified as you can be in the skills just makes you more and more valuable. And I, and I, and I guess that part of that is in response to the fact that the business has changed so much. I mean, even in, the time that I have been on the air at WRL, which is now uh, 14 years, um, it's just changed so much. And what, you know, everything used to be sort of the way that you operated with Football Friday, where everything was this big build up to one 30 minute show that you did, and then it was done. And now, because of the way that we consume news, it is constant 24 seven. And, you know, we are doing more news, producing more hours of news at WRL than we've ever produced before. That is, we're only going to produce more news. We have more outlets than ever before, more platforms than ever before. Um, So for the, uh, and we're, I should point out that this is meeting the public's appetite for news. We wouldn't be producing all of these hours of news every day if the public didn't want it and people are watching. So um, as this, as the technology has changed to allow us to provide the, to provide all that extra content, it is good for local news and good for our business that we are growing and expanding to do that. And I think that uh, adding to my skill set there is, um, helps me helps me to help them to fill <laughs> all of those content holes that we now have over the course of a day on all these different platforms and as far as where i think news is going in the future there's i think there's always going to be a demand and an appetite for professionally produced credible believable engaging local news content, whether you watch it on a television or you watch it on a laptop or on your watch, whatever. And the brands like WRAL, which has, has built this decades long legacy of being a go-to source for that kind of content. We're just going to adapt to the times. Um, just this week, and I don't know when you're going to release this podcast, but uh, in mid-December, uh, WRL started this, the next generation of broadcast 
technology, which is going to meld what you watch over the air with an antenna with an internet connection so that we can give you a truly interactive experience. A lot of the things that were only based on an internet connection now will be part of over the air as well. This is very new technology, but as you look ahead 10 to 20 years, that TV experience, even with local broadcasters, is gonna be completely interactive, feeding you what you need when you want it, as opposed to having to wait for the six o'clock news like we did 20 years ago. Wow, that's awesome. That's breaking news on where's your next breaking podcast? news <laughs> <laughs> we're live with brian schrader <laughs> but you just think about how you have how how have you changed the consumption of your news over yeah, the past true. Yeah, yeah i mean everything on news for me um especially is you know if i I'll look on Twitter. I mean, not, not Twitter's credible news, but I look mm -hmm. on there and then I click on a link of something that I do know is credible. But yeah. like you said, you have to adapt because no longer, I mean, people are still, I mean, I, I still appreciate turning on a news on TV and watching it, but something about mm -hmm. it, maybe I'm just like a nostalgia. I, I just love to feel like a local news on TV, but yeah. most of it is on our phones, the apps, everything like that. Cause it's, it's just where things go now. People want something quick. They don't want to have to wait till, six yeah. o'clock for the news they want to get it now so it's our uh, over the the over the top channel or apps that uh, that this is like the stuff you watch on your roku or your apple tv you have the wrl app there those video views are going through the roof um because people want to watch it when they want to watch it and the thankfully um and i'm speaking I don't want to ignore people in rural areas whose internet experience is totally different. They don't have access to broadband like you do when you're closer to town. So that having been said, uh, for most people in urban areas, the, the internet connection is so good now, you can watch an HD newscast or any HD content. It looks just like it does on, when you're watching it over the air on television or through cable. So that like that one huge advance in access to broadband has just changed the whole platform for how we consume media. Absolutely, love it. So if you ever get um, asked to do a game, be a game show host in the WRL studios for apps or anything, would you do it? Would you be a game show host on this? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> what type of microphone would you have? Would you have the Bob Barker Rayburn mic, the, the long one, or would you? Yeah. <laughs> The skinny mic, of course, because you have to have, look, the skinny mic allows you to hold cards in the same hand. And, you know, <laughs> when you're pulling the price tag out for the actual retail price, you have to have a skinny microphone. Way down here, yeah. My dad and I still love, because um, we used to, and we still go, um, my grandparents had a place at White Lake, North Carolina, mm -hmm. growing up. And um, we, we had the Game Show Network, and we would just spend so yeah. much time watching card charts and stuff. And we would yeah. always laugh. I can't even replicate how when he would hold his card, he he just like he'd hold it in a weird way and go higher than this and like flip it real quick. And my dad and I still do that today. We'll just hold stuff and flip it. And just think it's <laughs> now I'll ask you this: uh, between we had this discussion at work as well, and there was a bit of this on on my Instagram post about the Bob Barker episode that The Price Is Right. Uh, between, I, with all due respect to other game show hosts, we're going to leave them out of the discussion now. But between Barker and Rayburn, who do you think is the better game show host? Uh, it's 
with Rayburn, it was great because he would interact with celebrities. Um, mm-hmm. Most of the time, if they were drinking on the match game, so you could play yeah, along. Right. People, it was really entertaining. <laughs> Whereas, like, but with that, I feel the skill. I would say Barker was he's having to deal with not that celebrities aren't everyday people, but Barker had to combat everyday people and guide them, make them exciting on show. Whereas yeah. I'm sure Rayburn had a more fun time being yeah. able to interact with celebrities and like his colleagues and stuff. Um, but the question was, who's more talented? Yeah, I'd yeah. Say, I'd say Barker also because he stayed with the one show. He's he was consistent for decades. Yeah, I'd go with Barker. Yeah, I think you're right. Also, that uh, that he had to bring out something entertaining in everyday people who are on television yeah. for the first time in their life, doing these complex game shows. You know, yeah. and 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 the other thing that I think you have to appreciate about Bob Barker is that he uh, had to understand, truly understand the mechanics of these games that yeah. he's guiding people through but i will say about yeah you gotta know the rules and uh when something goes wrong you know how to you know get around that and keep the show going and keep it interesting but i do like man i do like gene rayburn because uh he's hilarious he when you hear him also on that show you can tell he's an extremely knowledgeable guy and he had a long career in broadcasting uh, before he got into game shows on radio, where um, he was one of those guys that he was a generalist, so he had to know a little bit about everything, and that comes through on Match Game. Yeah. For all of your listeners to this podcast, uh, <laughs> 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 talk about fifty-year-old game shows. Thank you for staying, thank you for staying with us. <laughs> I love them, and I'm saying I I still love them. Um, I think I'm trying to think. Uh, do you enjoy any of these newer the the remake of the game shows, the remake of the no. Gong Show, the remake of the Match yeah. Game with this, just, just it's just the reason that the the Match Game from the seventies works is because when you got to an answer that was a little dirty, you had they had to be delicate with it because you couldn't say that stuff on television. And now it's just like there's no mystery behind it, and that's true. That's <laughs> you, true. You, like that's like a huge element of the comedy that is just gone. Yeah, that's true. It was it was very much you know favor to all ages. Where now it's just like no, no surprise when you're especially exactly especially if, especially, if Alec, especially if you have Alec Baldwin, the one who's hosting, it's going to be <laughs> 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 exactly. Well, and also I think another thing about it is like the celebrities they have. You know, those celebrities that they had on Match Game in the 70s, they were like total C or D-list celebrities that you saw pop up on guest starring roles. You think about the media environment of the 70s. These were not overexposed people. But now if you've got someone who is, uh, there's like, again, no mystery around celebrities even Mm -hmm. today. They're all constantly on social media and you know them so well. I, I think that's an element also that makes the, the 70s game show uh, panels a little funnier. Mm-hmm. There's a little mystery to them. Mystery. And I, I think it also comes down to just being a kid watching that. Like, there's a magic behind it. Like, one of the yeah. behind the scenes, like, my whole thing watching game shows, like, I want to be, like, on, like, the making of the show and to see how it looks behind the scenes and, like, yes. seeing the backstages of things and the mechanics. And all that. Like, that to me was so interesting to see that. Um, I think it's funny when people come to see WRAL uh, on tour. And they see the 
the fancy sets and everything and you know it just looks magical on television and then they walk around and they realize oh these are just bare two by fours back here yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's like being in a warehouse yeah oh, that's the that's the magic of show business thing. oh absolutely <laughs> and even video too there's times where if i'm setting up a testimonial to film someone the rest of the house looks like chaos but that one little section in frame is going to be beautifully lit Perfect. and everything everything else there's <laughs> cubicles there's Contact there's 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 always for some reason a leftover cake in that little behind where the printers are. Every time I went to Mario, there's always someone had a cake there, or cookies or something, and yes, it's, it's just, there's stuff everywhere. <laughs> Tom always had that big stuffed uh the the stuffed dog back there. Yeah, uh, was it? Uh, yeah, that I still have never seen that movie before. The one was it, is it hot? Is it what's it called? The movie he likes it the the dog movie. Yeah, um, I know the one you're talking about, but I can't um, think of the name of it. But it's so sad, and he'd always say, "Watch it." I'm like, "Tom, it looks depressing. It's good, you know." Just <laughs> I don't want to cry tonight. <laughs> yeah. I remember one time I had to get something. He gave me his keys to get something out of his car one time during Football Friday, and um, he had—I'm <laughs> not joking—the soundtrack in the passenger seat on a CD. Like he had the cover <laughs> out on the passenger. I was just like, "Of course, you had the soundtrack." To it. He's a super fan. <laughs> Probably the only person that like bought the copy of the soundtrack. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> oh, what was the name of that movie? Um, I'll I'll think of it randomly. Yeah. Oh, uh, Hachi. H a c h i. Hachi. Was it? Uh, it had Richard Richard Gere in it. Oh my and, gosh! Um, yeah, it came I'm out. Look, I'm looking this up right now. Yeah, Hachi, a dog's tale. Um, it came out in 09. I don't know why oh, he yeah. loved it so much, but it was about a guy basically who's had a dog. The dog would wait for him every day at the train station or bus station or something. And then one oh, day yeah. the guy died and he just waited at the bus yeah. station and he never came. I'm like, oh, I was six and my brother was five and my dad made us watch Old Yeller and we had a dog. And I was like, I'm scarred for life now. I'm never going to watch these kinds of movies again. <laughs> Like hug your dog for the longest time. Exactly. When you're yeah, six. So yeah. yeah. I like watch that in school sometimes. I'm like, I don't want to watch this. Like, of all places in school, like, it's like when somebody cries at work and you're really uncomfortable. It's like the only place worse than that is at school. <laughs> Gotta be where the red fern grows. Oh. Yeah, it's another one. People, people were depressing back then, riding. That's why they're. <laughs> Luckily, they had seventies game shows to keep themselves happy. On you know, right, they go home and, and watch Match Game. <laughs> <laughs> match Game and Card Sharks. Yeah, those are my favorite. Oh, um, Pressure Luck. I like that one a lot too. Oh yeah, yeah. Luck. And you know the story about the guy that figured out the pattern, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And my thing is that my thing is that one. That's good for him for figuring that out like yeah. that's more that's you can't get mad at that and he didn't break any rules no the person who did was he wants to be a millionaire the spouse who would cough did you hear about that no i didn't hear answers. about that so like this guy <laughs> I, I don't think either he won a million he wants something high but yeah. his you know he also like your spouse in the in the audience they show them and everything um he had her and someone else that would like just cough audibly uh. um when he would say the right because he, he would repeat all the answers and whenever she thought it was the right <laughs> one, she would like <coughs> like that. And it was called, it was I saw it in the same uh video uh oh, wow. YouTube rabbit hole one day finding out like people cheating on game shows and that was one I'm not that and that that is more cheating because someone knows That's the answer. Cheating. Yeah. But yeah. the no whammy, no whammy stop. The person got yeah. A thousand dollars plus a spin. Good for them. That's just a guy who worked his tail off to figure out 
what the pattern watched enough of that show to figure out and had a brain fast enough to be able to tell which pattern he was seeing oh, yeah. and put it together. It's, That's it's like counting it's like counting cards. I know it's legal and frowned upon, but it's impressive people who can count cards because I'm impressed. I can't because <laughs> you're still playing odd somewhat. Yeah. Um, I, one other thing, um, what I like. I found out about Price is Right, actually. Uh, my friend was on it and won it uh, about three or four years ago. Oh, wow. And the, it kind of – it didn't ruin it for me, but – so I don't want to ruin it for anyone else, but all the contestants are picked before the show. Right. Yeah, so yeah. You, you may have known that, but he said – yeah. everyone sat down, and they said – and they asked him, said, so what do you do? And you have, you have 30 yeah. seconds. I never yeah. knew that. So that was yeah. a shock to me. Um, I guess you already I'm, knew that. Well, I did know that um, they because they pick them out in the line when they're waiting in line to come in the studio. Like they have uh, assistants that go out there and, and try to scout out who the best contestants would be for television. To to that point, though, I was uh, again this uh, new Bob Barker channel had had me sort of going back down to the rabbit holes of prices, write them, and um, in when Barker did the show in the '70s, he told the producers who only wanted people initially who were attractive between 20 and 40. He said, get older people, mix it up. If, if, if somebody comes up here that doesn't work, I'll take responsibility for it. But I think that it's, it's a very, I mean, you, there are enough 70 year old contestants on the prices, right. That are so good at oh, what yeah. they're doing up there that make moments that mm. you, I'm glad that they didn't limit it to just a certain look. Yes, absolutely. And that's great. It's like you get some older people who are firecrackers, you know, and they're going oh, yeah. to go up there and they're gonna be sassy. And, yeah. And I, and I think Drew Carey is, he's done okay. I think it was yeah. smart to get someone like him, um, someone who's well known, but not too well known. Like, I think that's mm -hmm. kind of where Alec Baldwin falls. It's kind of, I don't know. Yeah. He doesn't fit yeah. as well, but Drew Carey's done well and he's focused just on that. I think so. I, you know, it's like whoever, whoever takes over for Alex Trebek, mm -hmm. there's no way you're going to be Alex Trebek. There's no way that Drew Carey is going to be Bob Barker. So you have to bring your own thing. And I think that in in the sense of bringing his own thing, I think Drew Carey's done fine. He's done great. Yeah, I still met someone whose lines did anyway. That was the greatest yeah. show of the yeah. early 2000s that are like. Um, mm -hmm. This is. Uh, I want to end with this question because it's very important. If you had, if you're on Prices Right, what would be the game you would not want to play? and the one that mm. you feel like you're guaranteed to win? I think that, um, give me a second to think about this one. Oh, you're fine. I'm thinking. You can edit I'm, all this out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think the blank check game is one that you probably stand the, the blank check game, uh, there's, I don't think there's any luck involved with it because you're given whatever the prize is and then you have to write the check for the difference between the price and some amount between uh, at least the ones I saw from 1982 <laughs> this week. <laughs> you put it all, you add the blank check with the amount of the uh, prize and it had to be between $3,000 and $3,500. So you had to have some knowledge mm -hmm. going into it. Um, I think the, 
Plinko, of course, would be the most fun. Most fun play. for sure. Yeah. Without question. Yeah. Um, with the hundred dollars cash, but you're excited because you played Plinko. Exactly. You got to see it go down. <laughs> yeah. Like, ah, I just want to see. I just want to touch the. Did it, now look as somebody who watched Prizes Right. Did, don't you want to feel what the wheel actually feels like? Yes, I want to feel the pressure of how it is. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes, because you too. see people who. I mean, it looks like there's some resistance to it. You see I mean, big guys that make quick work of it, but then other people who kind of struggle with it. Yeah, and they fall down and everything too. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to do that. You? Or, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think as games that like feel. Um, one of the games that I think what I had the best, one of the best chances on, I forgot the name of it, but it's it's you choose from two different prizes, and it's either like tilt this way or tilt that way, and the number is oh, either yeah. it's either like four seven nine four or it's like yeah. four it's the opposite and you just you have two right. choices and if you get it right you get the prizes um yeah. it's the quickest game i thought that game would be good i'd like to do yeah. that one i also enjoy the uh one of the card games where there's there's nine cards and uh -huh. you try to get three pieces of the car to get the car and every other mm -hmm. piece is just cash value. oh yes 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 that one's fun yeah. like the first the yeah. first two numbers is, it's always 19 or it's a twenty thousand mm -hmm. dollar. but the last two numbers are could be anything so that's tough yes i guess those would be the games i'd enjoy the game i, I think i would do best at is the 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 I forgot what it's called tilt this way or tilt that yeah way. i know the one you're talking about it yeah. like balance um yeah the uh, dice game, I think, would be a, a fun, fun one to play. Yeah, and I think another classic is the the yodeler. That's that's just a classic. Oh yes. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's tough um, <laughs> yeah, it is tough because I mean, I I I mean, I think I kind of know. Well, there's a big difference between what an iron costs in Raleigh and what is the suggested retail price in Los Angeles. I was wondering. I, I assume it's California prices. Yeah, I, guess I guess so, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, I, I would not spend $60 on an iron, but, you know, that's what they want. So whatever you had in mind, add 30%. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure iron back in the day at Pope's in downtown Fuquay would be yeah. cheaper than a <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it might not last two weeks, but you didn't yeah. spend much for it. So. Oh, good old Pope's. <laughs> Pope's. I forgot about the Pope's. <laughs> that's great. That's great. Well, um, we might have to do a two-part at some point because I don't want to end it, but I don't want to make it any longer. <laughs> then it, I, I, I would go all day with this. It's, this has been so fun. You um, just call me back anytime. <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just be a co-host from now on. We'll get Tom on together. Maybe you can oh, help me yes. get Tom on the episode. Yeah. yeah, we'll get Tom and some of the other friends, and I'll just sit back and let him talk. And you Just wind him up and let him go. <laughs> I just picture Tom wearing a pair of like Beats by Dre headphones. <laughs> <laughs> like his home studio with this giant like microphone with the pop filter. Yeah. <laughs> you think you never know. Hard. Yeah. It's like, or or even one of those gaming uh gaming headsets yeah, with like, right. like with like and have like purple neon lights behind him like a gaming studio or something. I was about to say, what if you know I I've never been to Tom's house. I don't know what Tom is doing right now. What if he's like playing Call of Duty and this he, is what he does all day? He could be. <laughs> I know I know that he walks around his house a lot when it's raining instead of because he can't walk outside. He always right. talks about how his 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 wife isn't a big fan of that. But he'll just pace around the house to get his steps in. So. <laughs> Let's get his steps in. <laughs> 
Oh, this is so good. Oh, my gosh. Well, Brian, thank you again so much for doing this. This has really Absolutely. been fun. And uh, I definitely want to do it again because it's just fun to talk to you. Yeah, likewise. Out. I had a great time. <laughs> I had a great right. time. <laughs> well, Brian, thank you so much for everything. Have a good day. See ya.